From the PSIA ASI studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, another in our 60th anniversary series. Tonight, we're going to be talking about adaptive. And joining us, we have Bill Bonus, Catherine Hayes Rodriguez, and Beth Fox. Bill, Catherine, Beth, thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us. You're welcome. Hi. Well, Catherine, let's start with you because I had a really easy time connecting with you on the phone. <laughs> so ah. tell us about your background with PSIA and how you got into and interested in teaching adaptive. Uh, well, the short version would be that uh, I was living in Lake Tahoe and avoiding going back to college waitressing and I got hooked up with a an adaptive program at Diamond Peak in Nevada and it was through the Reno Rehabilitation Center and started teaching adaptive skiing with a gentleman named Bob Guerrero in Services for the Blind. That was in 1976 and uh, it was such a thrilling it was like the light bulb went on wow I really would like to do this but I ended up going back to college in therapeutics and uh, from there uh, we split off and started the Tahoe it was at that time called the Tahoe Handicap Ski School and we merged with the Disabled Sports Far West chapter somewhere around 1983 and uh it was in the early 80s that I realized that the ski areas were only going to take us seriously and uh, buy into having adaptive skiers at their ski areas if we were became ski professionals. So I actually joined PSIA in 1981 and just got my 40-year pin last year, which I'm, I'm very, very proud of to be a part of PSIA. Uh, for four decades. Well, and congratulations. Much <laughs> yeah, thank you. Bill, same question to you. Mine's a little different story in that I started off in the adaptive world as a student, learning how to ski again uh, for the third time as a learned how to, how, as a stand-up skier and then a, in an archaic piece of equipment called a sit-ski, which is like a toboggan that just torpedoed down the hill. And then uh, I finally got introduced to the monoski. So I came to, to the Tahoe Adaptive Ski School um, to learn to monoski. I enjoyed it so much. Um, I took right to it. And somebody said, oh, you should be our demo guy. You know, when, we, when somebody needs a picture of what we're trying to teach them, why don't you come out and show us how it's done? And that kind of segued me into, into instruction. Um, I spent some years on the, on the U.S. Adaptive Ski Team and came back and, and uh, went pretty much full-time with the Adaptive Program here in Tahoe, and uh, that's kind of my story. How about you, Beth? Oh, my gosh. Well, early on in in uh, life, I, I was teaching swimming lessons, was one of the sports that I was teaching um, uh, as I went to school to get a degree in physical education. And in swimming lessons, I was coming in contact with lots of people with disabilities. The other instructors didn't want to teach. They were scared of of people who were different. And I thought, no problem. This is just a challenge to, to find a solution to. Um, and then, then getting a degree in PE and, and, uh, and going toward adaptive PE 
uh, and really trying to, to make all the activities that I was involved in accessible to people was just something interesting to me. And then I took time off of, of being in the school system and came to a, a ski area for a winter and, um, and then forgot to go home. And so that, so 37 years ago, um, that was, that was my track and it's just been thrilling me ever since because it's different every day, absolutely every day. And I have had the privilege to meet the most marvelous people, um, that I've worked with, that I've taught, that I've gotten to know, um, and, and just have strong connections with so many people because of adaptive. I had a great conversation a couple of months ago with Mike Ma uh, about adaptive. And one of the things we kind of came up with was, isn't every lesson kind of adaptive? You're really working with all sorts of things with each individual that we teach, skiing or snowboarding. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Beth, let's start with you. I'd love to hear you all have a conversation about that topic. What is adaptive? Yeah, every every person's body is different. Every person's um, psyche is different. So I think when you go into lessons, you come with your own set of expectations, of needs, and, and that is the same as a person with a medical diagnosis. Uh, it, it might not be shared um, challenges, but there are challenges nonetheless for the for the guest and for the instructor. And it's just creating those um, respectful relationships, listening to people, um, and and figuring out, hey, how are we going to get to the end goal, whatever that goal is? And and I would just say that even within um, in in a category of diagnoses, maybe someone has cerebral palsy. All people with cerebral palsy um, are not affected by um, that disability in the same way. So it is, we, we all have our challenges and, and we all have different bodies. Catherine. Well, I, I have to keep coming back to the song by James Brown, G R A V I T Y gravity, because the adaptive world benefits greatly from gravity and fall line and where, whereas they may struggle to uh, socialize or move around unimpeded on earth, as soon as they get on the ski hill, it's like this magical thing that happens where they can experience movement and freedom and even speed again, like Bill. Bill was in the sit ski. Well, then he get on the mono ski and he's running downhills in Europe. So, I mean... I mean, he may not have ever thought he could do that when he was in the hospital rehabbing, but I just think that there's a beauty to the mountain. And from skiing and being part of PSIA and being part of the adaptive world has sprung over 100 chapters of, of Move United in that not only is skiing, but many different kinds of track and field and summer programs. So... Skiing was the thing that started everything. So it's just a beautiful, beautiful sport. That's all I have to say. Bill, your thoughts? The, the adapting of skiing, I think, is a constant for every instructor, whether it's snowboarding, alpine, whether able-bodied or adaptive students. 
we always have to personalize the lessons, teach different learning styles, teach different goals, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that adaptive is just the epitome of that being um, able to uh, redesign your lessons based on the needs and wants and abilities of our students. You know that we've had several able-bodied instructors that have crossed over from the alpine world to adaptive because it was more interesting to them. It, it kept them fresh. It kept them alive. The, the, the mundane of the uh, conveyor belt style of teaching in their school had gotten boring and in adapted it was you know one-on-one -on -one and trying to problem solve and figure out on a, on a daily basis. And uh, that's an exciting aspect of what we do. Bill, I thought it was very interesting. Catherine brought up uh, in her first answer that she really wanted to join PSIA and become professional. Um, and let's kind of combine a couple of topics here. Why was that kind of revolutionary uh, to begin adaptive certification in the 80s? And then what was it like coming up with that uh, national standards for adaptive and, and actually having a manual? Um, I was really hoping you were going to ask one of the ladies because they're truly the that was their era was was in the development of that. By the time I came along, um, National Handicap Sports had already in an exam process in place. Only because of people like Catherine and Beth had had been the leaders and the pioneers to get that going. Um, it was shortly after my first certification with National Handicap Sports that I was allowed to, to get an exam or to get a certification through PSIA. Um, but there was so much more history before I started that. Catherine, Beth, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that same topic. Catherine, let's start with you. Well, uh, I do have the dates written down um, because I was having trouble remembering them. It was so long ago, but... Uh, in 1983, uh, Doug Pringle, the president of National Disabled Sports, uh, assembled a small core of examiners that included himself, Ted Pitcher, David Brebner, myself, and Gwen Allard from the East Coast. And our first original adaptive exams were in Jackson Hole in 1984. And we were planning for, like, two or three of the people to uh, David and I had never examined before and maybe not, not Gwen either. And uh, I think close to 80 or 90 people showed up. So we were like all on deck giving exams. We'd never given exams before. We were trained by Ted for two days before the exams and the original exam consisted of three track, four track and visually impaired. And the other three uh, disabilities or diagnosis were added later. Um, but in 1985, we had national exams at Breckenridge. And then we had Doug Harmon and Max Lundberg, Lundberg uh, Neil's dad, attended our exams in 1986. And they reported back to the national board and said, we've observed the NSRA exams and we're going to recommend that PSIA accept adaptive as a discipline. So in 1986, uh, PSIA started to take it under its wing and we got a quarter of a million dollar 
grant from 7-Eleven, and we did over 51 certification training exams around the country to help push the adaptive discipline out to, well, it was eight different divisions of PSIA at that time. So it was a long process that took probably six to eight years, and and uh, I believe Beth and, and Bones were part of the traveling clinics that went around to all the different divisions. So it was a, it was a long process and very hard fought. And I, I, I'm really thrilled that PSIA accepted us. And, and I think we've done a good job. In 1997, we wrote our first adaptive manual in conjunction with it was published from PSIA and we all contributed to the manual and it was just uh, our first stab at, at uh, kind of making a template for all the instructors across the country. I think it turned out pretty good for taking a stab in the dark. Beth, your thoughts? Well, I think it's important for everybody to remember what was happening in the United States at that time, not just in the snow sports industry, but in 1975, PL 94142, which was the Education for All Handicapped Children law, was put into place. And that was to provide the least restrictive environment, fair and equal education, appropriate education for children with handicaps. And in this country, there was resistance to that. There was some excitement in some places, um, but but it was um, something that was a mandate by the government, not always enforced. So folks were super excited about that, and it didn't really extend to sports so much. And then, in like in 1987, there were more social influences. People like Bill Demby, who was a Vietnam vet who lost both of his legs, he was... Um, in a DuPont commercial uh, because his prosthetics were being uh, crafted from materials made by DuPont. And that really started to open people up to, oh my gosh, there are people with disabilities. And he was playing um, basketball, I think, in that, uh, in that commercial. Uh, there were also public demonstrations by people with disabilities um, and, and saying, hey, we, we want access to these buildings. We want access um, we should get into these places. We need to be able to get up and onto sidewalks. And then in 1990, PL 94142 turned into IDEA, IDEA, and that was the Individuals with Disabilities Act. And also in 1990, the Americans with Disability Act came into law. And so that really started to, to influence us in this country. And for ski areas operating on uh, Forest Service land, Section 504 of the uh, permit with the Forest Service uh, said that you had to offer um, lessons to anybody who came. And um, so that really shaped a lot of, of what was happening in the industry. Some ski areas continued to ignore uh, what, was, what was really a requirement for them. Uh, and there were a team of us who went around to ski areas trying to help um, area operators understand what the ADA was, what Section 504 meant to them, what they had to do, what they didn't have to do, what was reasonable accommodation. And and at that time then, when it was word was getting out that there was more opportunity in sports uh, at large and in snow sports, uh, parents were saying, wow, this is, this is great. And like Catherine pointed out, it, it is a freedom. Gravity is a freedom 
uh, going down downhill was a freedom for a lot of people. And, um, and for parents to be able to, to put their kids into lessons where there was an instructor who was willing to listen uh, back, especially when autism was so not understood. Um, it's still a puzzle to us for sure in many instances, but uh, where there were teachers that had some training and had patience and were really working with parents to figure out uh, what's going on here and what, what these kids needed in lessons. So a lot of things happening socially at that time that helped those of us um, working in the snow sports industry to make changes there, uh, big influencers. Now, as a, a group, what did you all think of uh, the U.S. team uh, having the adaptive presentation at Interski in 2019, Catherine. Well, I I mean I think all presentations for, that include adaptive dating back to Diana Golden are fantastic, and Bill was on the demo team for many years, and uh, it's just nice to be recognized you know, as a, a valid entity after all the hard work that we put into it. And um, I know that Jeff Krill has been very instrumental in, in um, you know, bringing up the technical knowledge base in our adaptive ski instructors. So I'm just thrilled uh, about the inner ski presentation. I thought it went really well. And Bill, as a member of... Yeah, I think it's just... I think it's just further proof that the United States has and is leading the way in adaptive snow sports. That, that other countries look to us for not only our training materials, but also just the philosophy of what we do and how we work with our adaptive students. And you know, I think it was just a natural uh, evolution that this was going to be a topic at Interscape. Um, and it was, it was probably overdue, and I'm so happy that it happened. Beth? Well, I think it's awesome, and um, like Catherine pointed out, Diana Golden back in, oh gosh, the late 90s at St. Anton, skiing on one leg and, and thrilling thrilling crowds when they realized that she was skiing on one, one ski with poles. Um, I think it just brings a, a realization to folks who have never considered uh, adaptive skiing that people are diverse in their bodies, in their brains, and that we can provide uh, services and opportunities, experiences. And in this era of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, it's the time for us really to, to be doing this and sharing this with folks who don't understand that yet. So final question for each of you, what are you most excited about in the adaptive world these days? And where do you see that going with PSIA into the future? Catherine? Having traveled around the country and, and uh, seen the predicament of growing adaptive programs at many different ski areas, I'm just thrilled to see the fundraising that programs are doing and building accessible buildings, uh, program centers. Uh, of course, we're really proud that Achieve Tahoe uh, at Alpine Meadows was the first all accessible uh, building uh, dedicated just to adaptive uh, enthusiasts. And I think that this is a trend. You see it in Breckenridge. You see it in 
across the butte, you're seeing it back east, uh, where where um, there is a dedicated space, and we're not having to. You know, in the old days, we had to pull people up sets of concrete stairs and and push them, uh, you know, 500 yards to even get close to the chairlift. So I'm just thrilled at the, the steps that the adaptive programs are taking to provide a safe and accessible space for the families and the participants. It just it's just wonderful. Beth? I'm sorry, I heard you say Beth, if I could jump in. When I first started skiing, there were so many restrictions placed on me as a skier because of the equipment I was using, because of, my, of the disability that I had, that mountains and ski areas looked upon my being there as a risk, as a liability. And that in order to ski on their mountain, you had to go through a, a certification process, not a PSIA instructor certification, but a skier certification. I had to be approved worthy to be on the hill. And we have, we have just come so far in that that today's adaptive skiers have no idea. Their expectations of, of access to the mountain, of, of their perceived right to be on the mountain with every other able-bodied skier and rider is probably one of the biggest um, eye-openers that I have seen transpire over the years that I've been in this. The adaptive skiers are accepted. Adaptive skiers are on on every mountain. And there's no longer the the oddity when you see an adaptive skier in a lift line. It's just, "Eh, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead, let's go. So truly an amazing thing. Pat? Yeah, I, you know, I I am constantly excited these days about um, resorts, small. I just got back from South Dakota two days ago working with a small resort there um, to the large resorts. And, and ski schools, um, resorts at large, um, they, the desire versus the require. They desire now. They understand that that this is exciting stuff, um, and it's just good business. And so let's train our 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 staff, whether they're in the in the cafeteria, whether they're loading chairs, um, whether they're on ski patrol, to understand guests who may have some different challenges. And let's train our our instructors to to work with with. Um, with people when they come and and just get it done. So so that excites me, the desire versus just the being required. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's your point. Yeah, I, I truly believe that the areas realize that this is a, a business dec- decision as well. The inviting and welcoming the adaptive skier, that they're going to be coming with their families and friends and cohorts. And that it, it is another market to tap into. And I think that's been another uh, kind of big eye-opener in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And do you remember the days when we were doing survey after survey about how many people came with your group and how many hamburgers are you buying to prove to the ski area that we should be there as adaptive 
um, programs or schools uh, that we we should be there. And and because you had to maybe make some changes and put in ramps and take away stairs, that that wasn't a hardship. That's just good business too for every beginner, disability or not, who's lumping around in in big ski boots. You know, so uh, it's really interesting to see the change in resort attitude and and understanding that it is just good business. Catherine Hayes Rodriguez, Bill Bonus, Beth Fox, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on First Share. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, George. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. <laughs>